Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. It is Monday, July 8th. Here in flesh, in the person, but uh, in person and in the flesh, in the studio, uh, just for a day or two as we make plans and and, uh, preparations heading up the highway to the LCMS National Youth Gathering in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sarah's uh, making her way there as well from vacation, so uh, excited to to join about 21,000 other people, youth and adults, volunteers and leaders uh, who will be gathering in Minneapolis. Looking forward to it. Here in St. Louis, some great Creation events with the Missouri Association for Creation uh, lined up for the coming weekend and week. Joining me this morning, the guest speaker for those events, Paul Garner. He's a researcher and lecturer for Biblical Creation Trust in the UK. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's great to be with you. So you will be presenting uh, uh, five or six times here in the St. Louis area for the Missouri Association Creation uh, for Creation, and uh, starting with this Saturday at the Family Vision Library, uh, presenting on the Ice Age and the Genesis Flood. What will we be learning in, in that presentation? Well, we know that an Ice Age has happened because obviously we see evidence of glacial sediments and glacial landforms across the um, mid to high latitude continents. But the question is, how did an ice age happen? And it's been a mystery that has exercised geologists for a very long time. And what I want to explain in in the talk on Saturday is how the global flood described in the Bible helps to provide the key to explain how the the ice age happened. Um, One of the sort of counterintuitive things about the ice age is that in order to get an ice age started, you actually need very warm oceans because it's evaporation from the surface of the oceans that pumps enough moisture into the atmosphere that can then um, fall on the continents as snow uh, that will actually help you to to accumulate enough snow year on year to generate um, extensive ice sheets. So that's one part of the equation is how, how how do we explain the warm oceans? And the other part of the equation is uh, it's all very well having lots of snowfall on the continents, but most of that snow or all of that snow uh, today melts during the summer. Uh, So you also have to lower the temperatures across the continents so that during the summer, uh, the snow doesn't melt so that year on year it accumulates and eventually builds up into ice sheets. And what I want to to do in the talk is just show how the the Bible's record of of the Genesis flood actually helps to explain how both of those conditions came about and therefore how the Ice Age began. It, it, it's very fascinating. And this is taking place at 10 a.m. on Saturday, July 13th at the Family Vision Library, and that's in St. Peter's, Missouri. Uh, you can find more information on the Missouri Association for Creation website, missourycreation.org. Uh, you can register for the event or RSVP for that event as well and uh, and find more information on how to RSVP. Now, the, that later that afternoon, taking a, a field trip as well, registration for that has closed already, but heading to one of my favorite sites here in Missouri, uh, right in my own hometown in Imperial, Missouri, heading to Mastodon State Historic Site. Um, I, I know that uh, it's it's past the deadline to register for that, but just briefly, what will you be covering at the Mastodon State Historic Site? 
well, hopefully we'll, we'll be seeing uh, in the field some of the evidence for the Ice Age. Uh, there's, a, there's a bone bed uh, from which uh, mastodon remains have been excavated, the, the Kimswick bone bed. And, uh, and also we'll, we'll be thinking more generally about how uh, what we see in geology, uh, these massive sedimentary layers that span the continents, uh, also point to the global flood described in the Bible. Sunday, July 14th, heading to Twin Oaks Presbyterian Church and presenting on um, coal by catastrophe. Uh, and so you present the question, what is coal and how did it form? Um, there are, uh, I suppose, numerous theories about that. Does it require millions of years? What will we, will we be learning about this? Yes, well, you know, I was asked to speak about coal and it is a question that comes up uh, very often, isn't it? Because it's often presented as a challenge to uh, young age creationism. Uh, the standard explanation of coal uh, is that it's basically altered and partially decomposed plant material that accumulated over extremely long time spans, hundreds of thousands to millions of years, in coastal swamps. And this is how you form uh, the, the coal seams, the coal layers that we see in the great coal basins like those in Pennsylvania and Illinois and other parts of the, West, uh, the eastern US. Uh, and, and also, of course, the coal spans right across uh, Europe. Uh, you can find the, the great coal basins as far east as um, the, the Donetsk Basin in the Ukraine. So these are enormous uh, coal, coal beds. Um, what I want to do in the, in the talk is, is present a, a flood model, again explaining how uh, coal is explained with it, within the global flood model. There are lots of evidences, and we'll look at a number of them, that show that, in fact, uh, the coal, the plants that we find in the coal are not where the plants grew, uh, but rather the plants grew somewhere else, and the plants have then been transported by water before burial, so, so they're not um, being deposited in great coastal swamps. Uh, they're actually being transported by floodwaters before burial. And I also am going to look at the uh, coal plants themselves because they're absolutely fascinating because, again, um, the evidence that we see really doesn't support the coastal swamp uh, theory because the plants in the coal appear not to be terrestrial plants that were growing on the land in, in swamps. They appear, in fact, to be aquatic and semi-aquatic plants that were growing in water. And so uh, many creationists think that, in fact, the coal, the coal plants were part of a vast um, marine floating forest ecosystem that existed before the flood that was then ripped apart during the flood. Uh, the plants transported by the floodwaters and then buried to form the, the coal seams. So, so those are some of the things that we're going to look at there. Uh, in, in that talk on Sunday. So that's Sunday morning at Twin Oaks Presbyterian, Sunday evening, heading over to the Rock Church in Baldwin, Missouri. Uh, that uh, We're going to take a look at claws, jaws, and dinosaurs. No creation talk would be complete without addressing the question of dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, again, dinosaurs are, you know, one of those topics that always comes up when, when uh, you talk to people about creation. They all want, to, everybody wants to know, don't they, how... How do dinosaurs fit into the biblical framework of, of Earth history? And I've been interested in dinosaurs for a very long time, ever since I was a little boy, as I'm sure lots of others uh, have been. 
So it's a topic that's very um, close to my heart. And uh, so anyway, in, in the talk, basically, uh, I just want to look at, at dinosaurs and what dinosaurs are, how, how they're different from the reptiles that we see in the modern world. Uh, we'll look at the fossil record of dinosaurs. And uh, I want to show that the fossil record of dinosaurs is well explained by the creation model, that we see evidence for the separate creation of many different kinds of dinosaurs rather than evidence that they can all be traced back to a single common ancestor, as in the evolutionary model. And uh, we'll also look at lots of evidence from the dinosaur fossil record that's consistent with the rapid and catastrophic burial of the dinosaur um, remains during the global flood. Uh, we see evidence of mass graveyards and uh, superb preservation, even with soft tissues preserved. And in fact, I'm going to uh, look specifically at one remarkable uh, dinosaur dig that is still going on today. It's been going on for about 25 years and it continues in uh, Wyoming. And uh, this remarkable dinosaur bone bed in Wyoming that contains the remains probably of tens of thousands of dinosaurs uh, provides some remarkable evidence that is consistent with uh, the events and processes that we would associate with the Genesis flood. And so I I'm going to present a little bit of a case study looking at that particular site. And that's Sunday, July 14th, 5 p.m. at the Rock Church in Baldwin on Manchester Road. We have just less than a minute left. I want to take a look at uh, what's happening at Covenant Presbyterian on Monday, July 15th, 630. 99% uh, missing. Where on earth did geological time go? Uh, just about a half a minute to address that. Uh, okay, well, very, very quickly, I, I really just want to address the plausibility question in that mm -hmm. talk. So is it really reasonable to think that the Earth's age might be only thousands of years rather than hundreds of millions of years? And so I'm going to look at some key features of the Earth's sedimentary rock record and show that those features are unexpected if the long-age model of Earth history is correct, but they're exactly what we would predict if the young-age model is correct. And so I kind of want to turn the tables and say, actually, uh, that those who advocate the old Earth model have some explaining to do because there are some major features of the Earth's sedimentary rocks that uh, are best explained by the Young Age model. You can find more information at missouricreation.org. Thank you so much, Paul, for being my guest today. Thank you very much. Been a joy. That does it for the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.